Today's Bible verse comes from Acts chapter 2, verse 1 to 13. When the day of the Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came and to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues, as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were, now they were, they were saying, staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, "Aren't all these who are in speaking Galileans?" They then, how is it each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of our God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, What does that mean? What does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, They have had too much wine. Excellent. Thank you, James, uh, for reading that this morning. Um, Last night I didn't watch the royal wedding. Um, I have to confess I was not particularly interested in it, um, but that's just my personality. I understand millions of people around the world watched it. But the part I did see because I was told about it was um, the message uh, that was given from the American uh, pastor and um, just want to, it just encouraged me and I had already had a couple testimonies to share this morning so I didn't um, share this in our testimony time. But it was just a real encouragement to me that, that God finds ways of getting his word and truth into the world and the excitement um, that should be in our hearts of, of millions of people tuning in to, to see a royal wedding and getting this 13 minutes of um, a man just explaining to the whole world um, the greatest power. And he talked about if we can discover, rediscover the power of love, it'll be like rediscovering fire for humanity um, and the power of that. And so that was exciting. Um, and, and it reminds me of God's word where it says, in God's word where it says, his word cannot go forth without it accomplishing uh, what he intends it to, come, to, to accomplish. It. it doesn't go out and come back void to him. Um, and so as we gather around God's word this morning, I, I want to pray together as a church before we get into our own message this morning. I want to pray together as a church for, for all those who heard that message for all those who hear uh, the message through other means. So there, there was many people watching um, TV around the world hearing that message. But there's also uh, those working in cross-cultural situations. So the Kay's family that we support, the Dennis family that we support, lots of other missionaries um, around the world working in cross-cultural situations. There's mechanics that Christy shared about this morning who are just sharing that little Jesus loves you, he loves you so much and he cares about you and he wants you to have a free tire. I just want to pray this morning just that God's word around the world, all those who hear it would just there be a season, not just in Yas, but a season around the world of God's word going out and reaping a great harvest, not just just feel a sense of wanting to pray, not just for revival in our town as we often do, but just for global revival. That, that, that message from that man, um, Mark Curry, I think his name was, um, but that message, that man, that, that 13 minutes of opportunity has gone around the world and it's just enthused me that we should pray just for a global revival that, that sometimes we think in this day and age that, oh, the church is on decline, God's word's not welcome anywhere anymore, but, but that that God will find ways to lead people to Him. And so I'm going to pray, and if that's your heart this morning, then I just encourage you to join with me as I pray, and then we'll get into our own uh, message this morning. And so, Father, I thank You for Your Word that, that says of Your own Word that it will not go out and return to You void, that Your Word will accomplish all that it intends to, that You intend it to accomplish. And so I pray this morning, Lord, that, that all those who who heard uh, the word of God spoken last night at a royal wedding, all those who tuned in to see lace and frills and pomp and ceremony, 
but saw in the midst of that your word spoken boldly and truthfully. And uh, I pray that that word would find uh, root, that seed of your word would find root and bring fruitfulness in many people's hearts all around the world tonight. I pray that many people who tuned in to see a wedding would, would now be pondering the word of your truth. I pray also, Lord, for just a global revival that, that all who hear your word and, and sometimes as followers of you, it feels like your word is just not valued anymore. Your word just doesn't have an impact anymore. And I just reject that lie in the name of Jesus and declare that your word is powerful, it is strong, it breaks chains, it sets captives free. And we just pray around the world uh, in this season that there would be a revival that your word would be planted in people's hearts and that many all around the world would come to know the name of Jesus, that we would, uh, as he said last night, that, he, that we would rediscover fire, the fire of your love and that that would transform this planet in a way that goes beyond even the discovery of literal fire, Lord, that it's transformed our society, but I pray that our society would be transformed by the love that can only be found in God. So I pray for fruitfulness around the world for your word this morning. I pray in our hearts, Lord, that your word would be fruitful. We declare that none of us is here by accident this morning. We might think we're here for a bunch of different reasons, but we declare that you have brought us here for your purpose this morning. And so I pray that as we dig into your word now, Lord, that that your purpose for your word in our lives, each and every one of us would be accomplished now. That just as we've prayed for a revival around the world, I pray for a revival in each and every one of us this morning, in each and every one of our hearts, in Jesus' name. And if you agree with me, say amen. Last week we started a new series that we've called To the Ends of the Earth. And so this series where we're following the story of the early church through the book of Acts. Uh, we're not doing every verse, we're picking out the key themes and ideas and moments in that uh, story of the early church. And so this week we pick up the story on the day of Pentecost, uh, the day that the Holy Spirit, as James read excellently for us this morning, thanks James, the day that the Holy Spirit was poured out on the early believers. This is the day that, that many consider to be the birth of the church of Jesus Christ, the birthday of the church. And so often some churches will do, and I did think about it this morning, but um, I didn't get to it. Some churches will have a birthday cake for the church on Pentecost Sunday. And so today is Pentecost Sunday. And I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about how we work all that out in the calendar. It's very interesting um, so you'll be on the edge of your seats until that moment. But today is Pentecost Sunday, and so today is actually the anniversary of the day that we read about in Scriptures that we're unpacking this morning. Last week, uh, I finished the message about being called to be witnesses with a quote from the biblical scholar Ajith Fernando. And this week, I want to begin with one um, to, to, to get us to think about this day. And it might be a little bit odd to start off with, but I want to unpack why I want to share this this morning. Um, so, Ajith Fernando says, in an age where specialization has hit evangelism so much that we rarely find churches that emphasize healing also emphasizing apologetics. So, if you don't know what apologetics it means, it's a rational argument for God. Um, so, we rarely find churches that emphasize healing also emphasizing apologetics. Acts presents a church where the same individuals performed healings and preached highly reasoned apologetic messages. So, uh, Fernando's talking about um, evangelism, but, but I think he touches on something that, that is in the heart of our church that in the modern world that didn't exist in the day of Acts, and that is the divide between the ideas of word and spirit. So, he's talking about evangelism, but I think he touches on something in, in the heart of the modern day church where we tend to pull apart these ideas of word and spirit. We tend to think in categories of, of Pentecostal or evangelical, charismatic or, or Bible-based, spirit-led or, or, you know, Bible-taught. We, we, we think of things about the spirit, we think of 
things that go with our understanding of the Spirit, like signs and wonders, healing, prophecy, tongues. And, and we, we talk about churches that emphasize those kind of things, and we call them and we put them in the category of Pentecostal or, or Charismatic. And we have this other category of things that we think about, which is, you know, faithful to the Scriptures or Bible-based or, or rational uh, thinking or sound doctrine. And we talk about churches that emphasize that kind of Bible-focused stuff. We talk about them as being evangelical churches or Bible-based churches. And the point is that we tend to hold those things in separation. We tend to kind of think it's, a, it's an either-or. Like, of course, the, the evangelical church thinks and believes rightfully that they have the Spirit. And, and as much as um, those from an evangelical tradition might think that the Pentecostals never open their Bible, that's completely untrue. Um, and so it's not that they're, they're polar opposites, but we tend to, to, to pull these things apart. But Acts presents a church that knew no separation. As Agis Fernando says, Acts presents a church that was filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, yet still did practical things to care for the needy and make sure there was no uh, person amongst them that had lack. Acts presents us a church that we see signs and wonders and miraculous healings take place, but yet over and over again we also see people standing in front of congregations and crowds and, and speaking rational, well-thought-through, Scripture-based messages. And no more clearly do we see this bringing together of these things that we hold kind of in tension and apart, no more clearly do we see them brought together than on the day of Pentecost. On the day of Pentecost, we, we see believers baptised in the Holy Spirit, so overcome with the presence of the Holy Spirit that at least some people who were present thought they were drunk. It was having such a physical, outward impact on their being that some people there thought they were drunk. We see that in the same moment we see the Apostle Peter stand up in front of the crowd and unpack the Old Testament Scriptures, explain the life, the death, the resurrection and Lordship of Jesus in rational terms. On the day of Pentecost, we see not just these things that we hold in tension, spirit and word brought together, but we see them depending completely upon one another. Acts presents a church that doesn't just bring together spirit and word, but demonstrates for us that the word is empty without the spirit and the life in the spirit is empty without the word that we must embrace together both spirit and word. And so this morning, as we, as we come to unpack the day of Pentecost and explore what it means for us today, I, I want to encourage us all to do what it, we're instructed to do in the book of Hebrews, and that is to cast off all that hinders. So I think that the Holy Spirit is, is an area of theology or our understanding or whatever label we want to put on that, is an area of our life in Jesus that we do often have a whole bunch of ideas around that hinder. And so this idea of pulling apart the life of spirit and word or, or you can be charismatic and Pentecostal or you can be evangelical and Bible-based, this, that, is, that idea of separation between those things, that's just one idea that hinders. Another idea that hinders is the idea of cessationism or the idea that at some point in history, the Holy Spirit, for some reason, just decided to stop uh, showing up in signs and wonders and miracles. The idea of cessation is an idea of, that hinders and I, I just want to suggest bluntly this morning for you that that idea is completely without biblical basis and it's wrong. Yeah. Another idea that hinders is the idea that the Holy Spirit is something or someone to be more accurate to be afraid of. Well, God the Father, the, the loving God, I can handle that and Jesus who gave himself for me, I can handle that. But this Holy Spirit stuff's a bit scary and so I'll stay away from that. But I want to say this morning, that's an idea that hinders. The Holy Spirit isn't a spirit of fear, but a spirit of peace, the spirit of peace. And so I'm going to pray again this morning. I want you to pray with me that the Holy Spirit himself enables us to cast off all ideas that hinder when it comes to him that cast off all ideas that hinder our understanding or our pursuit of empowerment by Him. I'm going to pray once more and then we're finally going to get into the day of Pentecost. 
And so, Holy Spirit, I pray this morning that you help us to cast off every idea about you that hinders. Whether it's a separation between spirit and word, whether it's a belief that you stop showing up, whether it's a fear of you, I pray this morning that you cast off every idea that hinders. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you help us to understand your word this morning. And I pray that through your word, you help us to understand and receive you in a greater way than we ever have before. In your holy name, I pray, Jesus. Amen. So today we're talking about the day of Pentecost. And uh, the day of Pentecost was a a festival uh, that was held in Israel 50 days after the Sabbath. And it was held, it was just a one-day festival held in celebration of the completion of the barley harvest. Uh, And so there was a whole stack of people in Israel at the time, as as James read for us, and I'm not going to repeat that part of the reading because there's too many difficult names in it, but James nailed it. So good job, James. Um, But there's a lot of people in uh, Israel at the time, and and, uh, they were celebrating the barley harvest, and, and Pentecost itself actually just means 50th. And so it's 50 days after the Sabbath, or if we take Jesus' resurrection, it's 49 days after the resurrection of Jesus, which also tells us it's about 9 to 10 days after what we explored last week, Jesus' ascension and His final instructions. And so we we talked about last week how Jesus said to His disciples to not leave the city of Jerusalem, but to wait there until they were clothed in power on high or had been baptised with the Holy Spirit. And we read in Acts 1.14 that their their waiting wasn't passive. They didn't just sit around and do nothing. It says they were constantly gathered together in prayer. And just so as as Christy, she's not Jesus, I don't usually mix those two names up, but (laughs) as Christy shared uh, about the mechanic who constantly prayed for encounters to talk to people about Jesus... These believers were constantly together praying that they would receive what Jesus promised. Um, And so as we think about wanting more of the Holy Spirit, well, there's a little sign right there. Are we constantly praying, either by ourselves or especially with others, to receive the power of the Holy Spirit in our life? And so on this day of Pentecost, we find them what they were constantly doing. We find them doing that. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, praying together. Suddenly, a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And so they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, we're told. That's what was happening in the spiritual, invisible realm is that each of the people present in this gathering for prayer were filled with the Holy Spirit. But we're also told that what accompanied that was physical manifestations. There's the, the sound of a rushing wind. There's what looks like tongues of fire there's the enabling of people to speak in different tongues or, or different languages. And so accompanying this filling with the Holy Spirit is this tangible manifestation of what's taking place in the spiritual realm. The theological term for these things, and I'm a theology nerd, I love this stuff and um, I could explore this. If you think, oh, there's too much of this kind of stuff in my preaching, you just should see what I leave out. Um, <laughs> But the theological term for this is theophany. Just say it, theophany. It rolls off the tongue, it's theophany. But a theophany is, is a, a visual or audible or tangible, a felt representation of, of God's presence. Scripture, the story of God's engagement with humanity is filled with theophany. Think of the burning bush that Moses saw. God is not the burning bush, but but God's presence was made manifest to Moses through the burning bush. Think of the, the ancient temple of Israel, we're told, filled with smoke as it was filled with the glory of the Lord's presence. 
And so the people couldn't see the glory of the Lord's presence and so God manifest Himself in a visual way through the smoke. Think of even in the New Testament what appears to be a dove descending upon Jesus at His baptism and we're told the Holy Spirit descended upon Him and remained with Him. This, this is theophany. Theophany is a visual, physical, audible, some tangible manifestation of God's presence so that He's showing us that He's there. The Holy Spirit is not the wind on the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit is so much more than wind. Jesus said the Holy Spirit was like wind. We don't know where He goes or flows but we can see His effect just like we can see leaves blowing with the wind but we can't see the wind itself. Well, the wind's actually kind of like the leaves on the day of Pentecost. It's the, it's the thing that we can hear to let us know that something's happening that we can't see, that the Holy Spirit is present. The tongues of fire are not the Holy Spirit. The tongues of fire are God showing the believers who are there something they can see in their eyes so that they can tell that something is happening here. And often, though, though not necessarily talked about technically as theophany, um, but the, the impact of the Holy Spirit's presence on a person also manifests itself outwardly. And so, so the tongues aren't the Holy Spirit escaping out people's mouths, but, but it's a representation, it's an audible, it's a something that people can hear to know that God is present in that moment. So on the day of Pentecost, we're told that all the believers were filled with the Holy Spirit. And so that they wouldn't miss that moment, God let them hear wind. Because the Holy Spirit's like a wind, though He's not wind. God let them see fire because the Holy Spirit is an all-consuming fire. God enabled them to speak in tongues, uh, which... There's, there's, a, there's a few different ways tongues are spoken about in the, in the New Testament, both a prayer language, both, I'm going to say three things, which I used the word both wrongly there, sorry. Both a prayer language, a private prayer language to God. It's also a, a prophetic language that others may be able to interpret. But, but in this moment, in the book of Acts, in, on the day of Pentecost, it's actually people supernaturally enabled to speak foreign languages that they didn't previously know how to speak. And so that, in its own sense, is a theophany. It's, it's God showing that, hey, I am here doing something. Now, I, I confess in my own life, I, I've not seen, I've not heard a rushing wind that wasn't a real wind. Uh, it's interesting that they, they heard the sound of a rushing wind, but we're not told that wind was sweeping through the building. It's, it's, it's a wind that's not a natural wind, it's something other. But I've not heard that myself. And I've also not seen tongues of fire uh, descending on people. Um, and there's actually uh, a Sixpence None the Richer song, um, uh, as my brother had the album. It's, this, it's the band that sings, Kiss Me Under the Something Something. Um, I don't know at all. But my brother had this album. Um, and so I heard it playing from time to time. Um, and, um, but there's this song on it, and, and it turns out they're actually a, we're a Christian band. And, and apart from that song about kissing under the moonlight, every other song on that album is actually about God and our, our relationship with Him. And there's this song that says, we should like to see a burning bush type sign. That, that we all have this hunger, and I have this hunger within me, that I just want to see something like that. I want to see this kind of theophany. I want to see tongues of fire. I want to hear a rushing wind. I haven't yet seen that. But what I have seen is, is people so overcome with the presence of God that at times they've fallen down. And usually if you do that well, there's someone there to catch them. What I have seen is people so overcome with the presence of God that they, they go from weeping to uncontrollable joy. And no one has said anything funny. There's no way to explain that except for just the... It's not the Holy Spirit escaping through laughter. It's, it's the Holy Spirit enabling them to speak the language of joy in a moment when they were unable to speak that language. I've seen and I uh, have heard testimony of people who, who are enabled to speak in tongues. 
and, and, uh, and I, I pray in tongues and uh, for me it's not been this encounter where all of a sudden I could speak in tongues but I just find this language of prayer with God that, that somehow seems to mean so much more than any of my English words and I can only speak one language, it's a bit boring but none of, it's, it's this language with God that I don't really know what it means but it connects with my heart so much deeper with God than anything ever could and so I'd like to see a burning bush type sign, I'd like to see a rushing wind but I've seen the evidence of God's presence and and perhaps you have as well or perhaps you haven't but but I just want to encourage you that that God shows us often when he shows up no one can actually see God apart from the incarnation of Jesus in that moment where where those who could see him saw the fullness of God in bodily form but but we can't see God but he reveals himself to this day like he did on the day of Pentecost And so the question when we think about those things, whether you've seen them or whether you're just hearing them um, and hopefully you trust me that I'm not making it up, the thing, the question is, how should we respond? And so in Acts, we're we're told about the response of the crowd. This is not the response of those who are gathered in prayer together. Their response was to burst forth with praise to God in all different languages. This is the response of the crowd. We're told in Acts... Uh, 2, 5 to 6, it says, Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken, but they were all from Galilee. They didn't speak, they weren't a well-educated group of people that was multilingual. Um, Skipping all the funny names of places that James read well, we jump down to verse 12 and 13 that says, Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, What does this mean? Now those words amazed and perplexed in the original Greek language that that Luke wrote with, amazed means to be beside yourself, to be flabbergasted, to have no comprehension. This is not like, oh wow, that's pretty cool. This is to be having an experience that you have never had before and your mind cannot grapple or even find a grid to place it within. Perplexed means to simply have no possible explanation for what's happening. And so they were amazed and they were perplexed and so they asked, what does this mean? And so I'm going to talk in a moment about some other responses and the next response that's up there, but I want to suggest up front to us this morning that that this is the response that we are called to have. This should be our response. Whether we can understand, comprehend, grapple with the way that God's revealing or showing himself to us, that's really not the point. What, what these, this crowd encourages to do and what I want to encourage you to do is to step in whether you understand or not, lean in and say simply, well, what does this mean? Look beyond the wind that you hear, look beyond the fire that you see, look beyond the the miracle of languages, look beyond whatever it is that God's showing you today in this moment or He's shown you in the past, look beyond it, step into it, lean into it and say, what does it mean? That's the response I believe we're called to have but there was others who who didn't lean in and didn't ask what does it mean, they just simply dismissed what was happening. It says, some, however, made fun of them and said they have had too much wine. There were those there on that day that weren't perplexed and amazed. They, they weren't without an explanation for what was happening. They had an explanation. This was due to the outpouring of an altogether different spirit. They had gotten drunk, gotten excited and were jabbering along and maybe some people in the crowd thought they were hearing uh, uh, too much, um, thought they were hearing their own languages but what it really was was just drunken people raving along. There were those in the crowd that dismissed what was happening and even for us who believe in Jesus or are exploring that belief, I don't want to assume where you're at this morning, even for us it's, it's perhaps a little bit too easy to dismiss what we see God doing, to find other ways of explaining it so that instead of stepping in, we lean away and dismiss what God's doing. There's a third group or a third option we could take which is not really spoken about here but but I think they would have been there in Jerusalem that day and that's those who rejected what was happening as something not of God. Perhaps there were some there that day that had seen the dove descend on Jesus and had developed a formula around that's how the Holy Spirit presents himself and I'm seeing 
I'm hearing wind, I'm seeing fire, I'm hearing languages, that must not be God because God comes like a, like a dove. That's how God presents Himself. There may be those who completely rejected what was happening. I remember reading um, an explanation of why a particular outpouring of, of God's Spirit in recent times that involved people falling over um, and being caught, they weren't breaking their heads open, uh, falling over under the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and this explanation was explaining why that couldn't be of God. And their explanation was, throughout Scripture we see many people falling on their face before the Lord, but we never once see people falling backwards. So that mustn't be God. Now let me encourage you to never get into a place in your life where you reject what God's doing based upon the way in which a person falls. Or any other kind of thing like that. If it's not a dove, it's not God. If it's not a wind, it's not God. We need to be discerning, we need to test things, but, but Jesus says to test things by their fruit. And the fruit of this particular outpouring was people's lives being transformed and praising the name of Jesus. Now, if that's not God, if that's not the Holy Spirit, I don't know what is. So please, you may not understand why people might fall down under the power of the Holy Spirit. You might not understand tongues or you might not understand a particular physical manifestation or theophany, that cool word, but please don't get into a place in your life where you reject something because you've never seen it before. Test the fruit, but don't reject it. Lean in and ask, what does this mean? If it means people are declaring the praises of God that we see here, then there's a very good chance that what's happening is of God. So the response for us that we want to pursue is, is a leaning in and asking, what does this mean? And so on the day of Pentecost, Peter stands up and he gives answer. We've had the Pentecostal moment, now we're having the evangelical moment. And Peter stands up and gives answer in Acts chapter 2, verses five, uh, sorry, 15 and 18. And, and Peter's response is essentially that what is happening is the fulfillment of God's promise in the prophet Joel. He said, these people are not drunk, as you suppose, it's only nine in the morning. Now, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. To translate that literally, it would say all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. In the Old Testament, this word prophecy was used to describe forth-telling, speaking into the future knowledge that God had given, but it was also used to describe uh, more ecstatic-like experiences like we see on the day of Pentecost. It was, it was people who were overcome with the power of the Spirit speaking out that, those words. If, if you're not sure what I'm talking about, look up an episode, just Google in your Bible app or conflating two things together, but, but just search the words, is Saul also amongst the prophets? And just read about this prophetic, ecstatic encounter that Paul has with God's Spirit. But, but God says, in those days, this is what Peter says is happening on the day of Pentecost, in the last days, I will pour out my Spirit on all people, on all flesh. God is saying in Joel and Peter is saying is happening on the day of Pentecost that regardless of gender divide, I will pour out my Spirit on everybody. He says, your sons and your daughters. That's not a modern day gender neutralizing of the scriptures, those words are there. And just think of the weight of that in a time where, where man was taken to mean both men and women to go to the length of saying, I don't just mean in uh, the New Testament in, in Acts, I mean in the Old Testament prophecy of Joel, to go to the point of saying, I want you to know that this isn't just about men, it's about men and women all receiving the Spirit of God regardless of gender divide, regardless of age. It's, it's about young men and old men, young women and old women dreaming dreams and prophesying under the influence of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit will be poured out regardless of social status, even on my servants, or to translate that more literally, that would say even on slaves, 
I will pour out my spirit. There's no social status that restricts us from receiving God's spirit and regardless of ethnicity. As I said, that all people is actually in Greek all flesh. This prophecy in Joel and this fulfillment in Pentecost is the beginning of the outpouring of God's Spirit beyond just national Israel, beyond the confines of one people group, but to all people, every tribe and tongue are to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so this prophecy is fulfilled on the day of Pentecost, but but the day of Pentecost wasn't a once-off moment. It, It was this moment in history where the age of the Holy Spirit began, but it wasn't a once-off moment. It's, it's poured out for all people. I'm just going to read them quickly, so, so don't worry about following me. But in Acts 8, verses 14 to 17, we read another episode, not the same, but very similar to the day of Pentecost. It says, When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, who, Samaria is kind of the cousins of the Jews, and they hate them. It's like cousins that they hate. Um, and remember that Jesus said you'll be the witnesses to Judea, Samaria was the next place. When they heard that the Samaritans had accepted the word of God, Peter and John went to them, and when they arrived, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them. They had simply been baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. This is a moment like that moment in Acts. We're not told about a rushing wind or, or anything like that, but, but they received the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 10, verses 44 to 48, we're, we're told that the Holy Spirit outpouring goes a little bit for, further beyond just the cousins of the Jews, but to outright Gentiles, and in fact to a Roman centurion. If they hated the Samaritans, they hated the Roman centurions even more. Uh, and so Peter is led by the Holy Spirit, by a vision himself into the house of a Roman centurion, it says, and he's speaking to them about God, and it says in uh, Romans 10:44, while Peter was still speaking these words about Jesus, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers, that's the Jews, who had come with Peter, were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. So, so something of what happened on the day of Pentecost with the Jews is now happening, was happening in Samaria with the cousins, now it's happening with a Roman Gentile centurion. Then Peter said, can anyone keep these people from being baptized with water? They've received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. It's kind of like they'd already received the outpouring of the Spirit, so we might as well do the thing that's kind of a physical, you know, outwork, you know, outworking of that. It's like, kind of like, since you've proved that you know how to fly a plane, we might as well teach you how to do it. We might as well stamp your license. And so the day of Pentecost was this moment of history and there's another story about Ephesus in Acts 19 that we're going to finish with in a few moments' time. But the day of Pentecost was a significant moment. It's the birthday of the church, but, but it's not a moment contained within itself. It's the first moment of the Holy Spirit being poured out on all flesh and the story of Acts sees that happen again and again and the Holy Spirit leading through this baptism of the Spirit that believes to understand more fully what they knew in the prophecy of Joel, that this was an age where God's Spirit would be poured out on all flesh. So this is the fulfillment of God's promise. And so in response to to Peter's message, the, the, the response of the crowd shifts from a leaning in, what does this mean, to a seeking further, what shall we do? So in Acts 20, uh, chapter 2, verses 37 um, to 39, uh, we're told that this is what happened. It says, when the people heard this, they were cut to their heart. And this is the, the verse before this says, um, let me assure you that God has made this Jesus who you crucified, both Lord and Christ. And so it says, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And so the crowd shifted from 
what does this mean to what shall we do? And I want to encourage us all to shift our own thinking in that way, to shift from what does this mean? What does the day of Pentecost mean? What does it mean when we see God show up around us to what shall I do in response to that? And so Peter gives an answer in the next two verses. He says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. And so Peter says, in response to this question, what should we do? He says, repent. Repent means to to change direction, to turn away from our selfish, sinful life and dedicate our life entirely to Jesus. It's to acknowledge sin uh, as, as a rebellion against God and to acknowledge Jesus as Lord of our life. He says to be baptized into the name of Jesus for forgiveness of sins and then he says, he promises that you will receive the Holy Spirit. And he says, this promise is for you, your children, anybody. And so I want to say to you this morning, Yas Community Baptist Church, that this promise is for you. Now, Peter talks about baptism and, and, and so if we were just to take these words and isolate them from the rest of Scripture, we could develop the theology that, that physical baptism is necessary for the receiving of the Holy Spirit. But we've just read a passage where, where baptism followed the receiving of the Holy Spirit. Uh, baptism is, is, is not something that through which then you qualify for, for more of God. It's, it's the outward testimony of belief in Jesus Christ. It's the outward testimony that we trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins. And so, so baptism is really important. It's an act of obedience to Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus or you want to be a follower of Jesus and you've not been baptized, please talk to me about that today. But what I want you to know is that you don't have to submerge yourself in water before this promise is for you. You don't have to be baptized before you're enabled to receive the Holy Spirit. And so the pattern that, that Peter points out is, is, is when we shift from what does this mean to what shall we do, then Peter says in response to Jesus being Lord, in response to the day of Pentecost and the outpouring of the Spirit, what we shall do is to simply repent to turn our lives away from sin and selfishness to Jesus, to, to believe, to trust in Him as our Lord and Saviour, to, to uh, trust in His death and resurrection for the forgiveness of our sins. And, and as Peter says, that's modelled in baptism. And then the next thing is to receive. Repent, believe, receive. I want to say though that sadly many repent and believe but, but don't fully receive. And I say fully because we, we can't possibly repent and believe apart from the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. I'm not suggesting that there's anyone on God's green and blue earth that, that is, is a saved believer in Jesus and doesn't have the Holy Spirit but, but many repent and believe but don't fully receive in the way it talks about in the book of Acts. And the book of Acts actually gives us an example of, of that taking place in, in Acts chapter 19, verses 1 to 7. We're told of this story in, in Ephesus and, and, and I, I want to finish with this this morning and in a moment our worship team will come up and, and, and we want to respond to God this morning, not to what Nick's had to say. We want to respond to what God's doing in you right now. But in Acts chapter 19, it says, While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and he asked them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Paul found some disciples. These are, no one gets called disciples without being people who are saved by the name of Jesus. That's just New Testament code. If they're a disciple, they're repented they've believed, they've put their trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of sins. And so Paul says, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no, we've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. 
That's a little bit like, well, what does that mean? So Paul asked them, what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him. That is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. And so Paul finds this group of saved Christians who'd not yet fully received the Holy Spirit's empowerment. If you here last week, you, you would have heard me talking about Jesus. He says, wait in Jerusalem. Don't leave Jerusalem until you've been clothed with power from on high. That's because we can't do what God has called us to do. We can't be who God has called us to be fully unless we're fully received the Holy Spirit. Unless we're fully received the outpouring of God's Holy Spirit that He's promised to give to all. Now, I want to say to you this morning that I've seen people fall down under the power of the Holy Spirit. I've, I've seen people um, bursting forth with laughter under the power of the Holy Spirit. But usually I've been the one, you know, in a crowd at a meeting where, where people have prayed for and everyone's just like boom, 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 boom. And I'm standing there going, whew. What gives? We don't receive by having had some physical manifestation. We don't receive. That's, that's theophany. That's God showing you that He's doing something. And the enemy would say to my mind, well, because you didn't fall down, that means He's not doing something with you. That's a lie. I'm not powerful enough to be in a room of people who are being impacted so profoundly by the Holy Spirit and not be impacted just because I didn't fall down. And so this, this morning, this, what I'm going to encourage us to do in a moment isn't about, you know, we all want to see a burning bush. We all want to see it hear wind. We all want to have those manifestations of the Spirit, whether we're afraid of that kind of thing or not. But we all hunger to see God show up tangibly. But... But it's not about pursuing the manifestation. It's, it's about pursuing receiving the fullness of the Holy Spirit so we could be all He's called us to be, that we could do all He's called us to do. The pattern is repent, believe, receive. And, and so I'm going to give you a, a few invitations in a moment um, to respond, again, not to what I've had to say, but to what God's doing in us this morning. Sadly, many repent and believe, but but don't fully receive. Maybe it's because we've not heard about the Holy Spirit or maybe it's because we've bought into a bunch of ideas about the Holy Spirit that have hindered that for us. And so this morning, I want to extend an invitation. I'm going to, it's going to be three kind of prongs at this invitation. I'm going to list them all and then I'm going to encourage you to respond and then we're going to worship for a moment and then we're going to pray and, and just to be clear what I'm encouraging you to do. But, but they're all about repenting, believing, receiving and so this morning if you're here and you're kind of pursuing this jesus thing you're exploring it you 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 you, you're liking what you're hearing but you've never actually lent in stepped across the line and said i repent jesus i am a sinner i've been a sinner i have done wrong but i'm turning my life to you in this moment if you've never had that moment where you've said, I believe in Jesus Christ as my Lord, then I want to encourage you this morning in a moment just to come forward. We're going to pray. I'm going to encourage you to come forward just as a declaration of that belief. If you've never made that step of repenting and believing. If you're here this morning and you've been a Christian, you're a repented, believing You've got the Holy Spirit. Everyone's got the Holy Spirit if you've done that. But, but you've not received this empowerment that you hear t- spoken about throughout the New Testament. You've not received a fullness and you're left thinking, there's, there's got to be more. There's got to be more. Then, then I want to encourage you to, to come forward and we, we're going to pray. And um, we're simply just going to pray that God would fulfill His promise to all people that we would receive the Holy Spirit. If you're here this morning and and you've had so many encounters with the Holy Spirit, you couldn't possibly feel like you could be more full, but, but you just want more of that. I talk, spoke about a few weeks ago, Dan's prayer of just more Jesus. 
that's, that's all I want in every prayer session is more Jesus. Well, if you're here this morning and, and, and it's not your first time, you've, you've, you've encountered the empowering of the Holy Spirit before or several times, but you just, you just want more, then I encourage you that there's going to be some... And it's not that the Holy Spirit's here and He's not back there, but sometimes it's good for us just to step out. We could say, you know, step up the back or step over to that side of the room. It's just about taking a step. Um, so we're going to sing a song. It's Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. It's an appropriate song for this moment. But as we start to sing, if that's any of you, if any of those three things are you, then I just encourage you to come forward, worship in this space, and then we'll pray. Um, so let's sing, and that moment is now. Just encourage you as we sing, that moment is now.
encourage you not to forget Alpha next week if there's people you want to invite along during the week. Don't forget Messy Church uh, next week and uh, just uh, look forward to seeing uh, you next week as we continue this journey uh, to the ends of the earth um, and pray that you have a blessed week in Jesus' name. If you've been blessed and encouraged by this message, we'd love for you to become a part of the Ask Baptist family. Log on to ycbc.church to find out more.